Hello everyone, this is Urvashi Chahan. Welcome to another episode of Courts Today by Live Law, where we bring you all latest developments from all courts across India. Let us start. Today was the 14th day of hearing of Article 370 case before the Supreme Court Constitution Bench comprising Chief Justice of India D.Y. Chandrachud, Justice S.K. Kaul, Justice Sanjeev Khanna, Justice B.R. Gawai and Justice Surya Khan. Senior Advocate Rakesh Dwedi continued his arguments today. He argued that the abrogation was not an executive decision and that the entirety of Parliament, which included MPs of JNK, had been taken into confidence. He referred to various judgments to establish that the word recommendation under Article 370 Clause 3 meant that the assent of the Constituent Assembly was not necessary to abrogate Article 370. He also appraised the bench that unlike the Constituent Assembly of India, the JNK Constituent Assembly enjoyed limited powers and always abided by the dictates of the Indian Constitution. After this, senior advocate V. Giri also appeared for All India Kashmiri Samaj and told the court that recommendation power of the Constituent Assembly was intended to be coterminous with life of the Constituent Assembly, which was dissolved after the constitution of state was made. He will further continue with his arguments tomorrow. Stay tuned with us. In a significant development, the Supreme Court has held that children born out of void or voidable marriages are entitled to inherit a share in the property of their deceased parents, which would have been allotted to them on a notional partition of Hindu coparcenary property. The court has, however, clarified that such children are not entitled to properties of any coparcener other than their parents and that this ruling would be applicable only to Hindu joint family properties governed by Hindu Mittakshara law. A Supreme Court bench led by CJI Chandrachud was actually hearing a reference against the two-judge bench judgment in Revanna Siddhappa versus Malikarjun, which held that children born out of void or voidable marriages were entitled to inherit their parents' properties, whether self-acquired or ancestral. For your information, let me tell you here, Section 16 of the Hindu Marriage Act confers legitimacy to children who are born out of invalid marriages. However, Clause 3 of Section 16 provides that child will not have any rights in the property of any person other than the parents. This means that children born out of void or voidable marriages can claim inheritance rights over self-acquired property of their parents and not the ancestral property. This view was upheld by the Supreme Court in Bharat Matha and another versus R. Vijay Ranganathan. But in 2011, a two-judge bench delivered the judgment in Revanna Siddhappa versus Malikarjun. Differing from the view taken by the Apex Court earlier, the matter was referred to a three-judge bench. After pronouncing the judgment, CJI D.Y. Chandrachud also explained the ruling with the help of certain illustrations. To read in detail about this important judgment, do visit our website at livelaw.in. The next update is on Manipur violence. Today, Senior Advocate Minakshi Arora appearing for the Judges Committee constituted by the Supreme Court to deal with humanitarian aspects of the matter informed the bench of two existing issues. First, that the blockades in Moray region of Manipur was preventing people from getting basic ration. And second, there was an outbreak of measles and chickenpox in some relief camps. 
the bench of CGI Chandrachud and Justice J.B. Pardewala, after hearing the arguments, directed the government of India and the state government of Manipur to ensure the distribution of basic supplies such as food, medicines and other essentials to those affected by the violence. The bench also directed for the blockades preventing rations to reach the people to be dealt with. It urged the government to explore all options including air dropping rations to the people. The court also said that the government would have to take a call on the bodies lying unclaimed in the morgues as the same could spread diseases. The matter will now be heard on 6 September when the bench will deal with the findings of the committee. Stay tuned with us. Former Member of Parliament and Rashtriya Janata Dal leader Prabhunath Singh was today sentenced to life imprisonment in the double murder case of 1995 by the Supreme Court. The background here is in March 1995, Singh was contesting elections as a candidate of Bihar People's Party and was accused of murdering two persons near a polling booth for not voting as per his suggestion. In 2008, a Patna court had acquitted him, citing lack of evidence, which was later upheld by the Patna High Court. Further, the brother of one of the victims challenged the acquittal in the Supreme Court. Earlier this month, the Supreme Court bench of Justice Sanjay Kishan Kaul, Justice Abhay S. Oak and Justice Vikram Nath convicted him in the case. Today, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. The Apex Court also directed compensation of Rs 10 lakh each for both the deceased and Rs 5 lakhs each for the injured in the incident to be paid by the Bihar government and the convict separately. Earlier, the Apex Court had pointed out several lapses in the trial and had called the case an exceptionally painful episode of our criminal justice system. Today, the Supreme Court has again extended the interim bail granted to Satendra Jain, the Aam Admi Party leader and former cabinet minister in the Delhi government in a money laundering case. You already know that Jain was arrested by ED in May last year, but was granted interim bail on medical grounds by the top court earlier this year. A bench of justices A.S. Bopanna and Prashant Kumar Mishra was hearing Jain's plea challenging the decision of Delhi High Court to deny him bail in April this year. Today, Supreme Court Judge Justice Prashant Kumar Mishra recused himself from hearing the bail plea. Justice Bupanna then directed Jain's bail plea as well as that of co-accused Ankush Jain, which was also listed today, to be placed before Chief Justice D.Y. Chandrachud to obtain appropriate orders for reassignment to a bench of which Justice Mishra was not a part. The matter will now be heard on 12th September and the interim bail granted has also been extended till then. Section 498A of IPC is aimed at protecting women from cruelty and harassment by their husbands and their relatives. It was introduced with the intention of addressing the issue of dowry-related harassment and violence against women. However, over the years there have been concerns about the misuse of the provision with one of the primary concerns being filing of false complaints or exaggerated complaints to settle personal scores. The Supreme Court has quashed criminal proceedings initiated by a wife against her in-laws for the offence of cruelty in a case after noting that the allegations were mostly general and omnibus in nature.
the woman had lodged the FIR against her mother-in-law and two brothers-in-law, one of whom is a judicial officer. The accused persons approached the Supreme Court after the High Court refused to quash the proceedings under Section 482 of Criminal Procedure Court. A bench comprising Justices Aniruddh Bose, Sanjay Kumar and SVN Bhatti noted that many of the allegations were improbable and inconsistent. It noted that the brothers-in-law resided in different cities and their interaction with the complainant was limited to only during festival seasons. The complainant resided in her matrimonial home for only about two years and in 2009, she had voluntarily left it and started residing with her parents. The most striking fact that the court noted was that the complaint was filed only in 2013, soon after the husband filed a petition seeking divorce. The wife had also caused an anonymous complaint to be sent against her brother-in-law, who was in judicial service, to High Court as well as to the Anti-Corruption Bureau and later admitted to being the author of the complaint saying that permitting the criminal process to continue would amount to clear and patent injustice, the court quashed the criminal case. In another update, the Supreme Court today refused to entertain a public interest litigation petition accusing Congress party leaders and their agents of distributing plastic gift cards to voters across several constituencies during the run-up to the 2023 Karnataka Assembly elections. This plea was filed by two unsuccessful candidates who fought the recent elections on a BJP ticket. In their petition, the duo had alleged election violations and corrupt practices across as many as 42 constituencies. The allegations centered around purported acts by leaders of the now-ruling Indian National Congress Party and their agents one day before Karnataka went to the polls. The petitioners claimed that plastic gift cards were distributed on behalf of Congress with a false promise that voters could encash a certain amount if the contesting Congress candidate won the election. The barcodes turned out to be fake, thus rendering the gift cards worthless. They also alleged that no action had been taken by the Election Commission despite multiple complaints being filed. Although a bench of CJI Chandrachud and Justice J.B. Pardewala dismissed the petition, the petitioners were permitted to approach the High Court with the same prayer as the High Courts had sufficient powers to deal with issues within their own jurisdictions. And lastly, an update from the Madras High Court, which today dismissed an appeal preferred by Z Media against a single judge's order, rejecting its challenge to the interrogatories raised by cricketer Mahendra Singh Dhoni in an ongoing defamation suit between them. The defamation suit was filed by Dhoni over allegedly defamatory reports linking him to the 2013 IPL betting scandal. Dhoni's counsel argued that the news company had made allegations against the cricketer without any foundation. It was pointed that Justice Mudgal Committee, appointed to go into the allegations of betting, spot-fixing in the Indian Premier League matches, had not reported involvement of Dhoni. Though Z Media had challenged the interrogatories raised by Dhoni, contending they were in the nature of cross-examination and an attempt to prepare the chief examination, but the court, dismissing the appeal, noted that in the present case, the interrogatories were administered after the issues were framed 
and that there was a close nexus between the matter in question and the interrogatories. A division bench of Justice R. Mahadevan and Justice Mohammad Shafiq also observed that when an allegation is made against such an international personality, the news channel has to be cautious in telecasting news reports against such person. The truth with regard to the allegations have to be properly ascertained without there being any iota of doubt. Thank you for joining us. If you wish to know more details about the cases I mentioned here, you can visit our website at www.livelaw.in. Stay ahead with quick legal updates only on Live Law. Do not forget to like, share and subscribe and support us. You can also support us by donating through the thanks button at the bottom of our videos or consider becoming a member at just 89 rupees per month.